0: And I want us to behold the glory of our God this morning. I want us to look at this and see why it is that our God deserves glory, why it is that our God did what He did, and why He did things in the order that He did them. I want us to behold the magnificent glory of our God this morning. And I want us to do it, even though we are looking at a very familiar passage of Scripture. One of the reasons I wanted us to walk throughout the entire first chapter and then the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke is I wanted us to catch everything in context. uh, context. Oftentimes, we sort of pick things apart during the Christmas season, but I wanted us to sort of catch the context that has been building from the very beginning of chapter 1. And so just remember, if you will, some of the things that we've been noticing here in the first and then the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Remember that it all began with God finally showing up and speaking to a priest named Zechariah informing Zechariah that he and his wife who were advanced in years well past the age of having children who had been barren their entire lives together that they were finally going to conceive and they were going to have a child. And this child would not be any old child. This child would be great in the eyes of the Lord because this child specifically would be the one who would prepare the way for the coming Messiah. Now you got to remember that all the way back in Micah, the prophet, God had promised that he would send one in the spirit and the power of Elijah who would prepare the way of the Lord. And that was one of the last things, by the way, that God spoke to the nation of Israel before God then went silent for 400 years. And so just remember all of this plays into the context. God has been silent for 400 years. But one of the last things God had told the nation of Israel to give them hope, the hope that would last 400 years and beyond, is that He was going to send the One who would save them from their enemies. He was going to send the One who would restore all things back to Himself. He was going to send the One who would pave the way to be reconciled back to God. And before He did, he would send one who would go before that one to prepare the way. And so all throughout chapter 1, we are seeing this this sort of theme if you will that John is preparing the way for Jesus he prepared the way for Jesus's conception because we saw as Elizabeth says to Mary with God nothing is impossible i can conceive in my old age and therefore Mary is no, is able to know with faith that she can conceive even though she's never known a man and so The conception of John the Baptist paved the way for the conception of Jesus. Last week we saw the birth of John the Baptist, that he did come forth just as God had foretold. He would be the one who prepared the way just as his dad prophesied after being filled with the Holy Spirit, after, remember, not being able to talk for doubting God when God first told him of this promise back in chapter 1. And so all of these things are sort of building to the moment that we get to here in chapter 2 where the birth of John the Baptist has now prepared us for the birth of Jesus Christ. Notice as well that here Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 20 is what we get the details concerning the birth of Jesus. And just like we saw with John, the birth of Jesus is going to be accompanied by some pretty cool things. The birth of of John, remember, was accompanied by some neat stuff like his dad All of a sudden, being able to talk again and speaking a prophetic word from the Lord. Well, Jesus is going to have some pretty amazing things take place concerning his birth as well. And so, let's jump in this morning. And in the text, we're going to see three reasons as to why... The birth of Jesus Christ is cause for glorifying God. Three reasons that we are to glorify God as we look at the birth narrative of Jesus Christ. And so let's read together Luke chapter 2 starting this morning in verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them... Into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem, and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. In verse 21, And at the end of the eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let's pray. Lord, We thank you again for just allowing us to gather together this day after Christmas as a church family so that we can celebrate Christmas together. Lord, we celebrate this morning not by giving gifts and receiving gifts, but Lord, we celebrate this morning by remembering the great gift of Jesus Christ that you have given to us Lord, we celebrate this morning by looking at this passage of Scripture and, and, Lord, seeing in it reasons that we are able to bring you great glory this morning. And so, Lord, as we gather together, we are thankful for the gift of Jesus Christ. We are thankful for what you have done to pave the way for our salvation. We are thankful that as we come together, we are not only a church family, but, Lord, we are sons and daughters of yours. We are your children this morning because of what you did in us and through us, through Jesus Christ. And so we are just grateful this morning. And Lord, we want to just gather together and celebrate what you have done. And so Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through this text this morning, that you would be glorified in our hearts and in our lives. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, in the text again, we're going to see three reasons as to why the birth of Jesus Christ is cause for glorifying God. Number one, through the birth of Christ, God fulfilled his word. Now, we see that often in Scripture. It's sort of a repetitive theme. God keeps his promises. Amen. And what I want you to understand is that it's a repetitive theme because God does, in fact, keep his promises. And what happens with repetitive themes in Scripture, sometimes we can overlook them or take them for granted. Sometimes we can even become bored with them because we see them so often. It, we, we sort of take for granted the fact that God keeps His Word. Because guess what? God keeps His Word all the time, every time. Amen? But what I want you to notice in this text is how amazing God is in keeping His Word. Because what we see is that God keeps His Word. And when we see how God does it, it should cause us to pause, behold our God, and bring Him glory. Notice what he does in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So it just so happens... That at the time that Mary is supposed to conceive and bring forth her child, the child that was promised to her, the child that was conceived by the Holy Spirit, the child that is going to be the very Son of God, that child who's supposed to not be born in Nazareth, but is supposed to be born where? In Bethlehem. That child, all of a sudden, God uses this Roman emperor, this pagan, this guy that did not acknowledge god as his lord and savior matter of fact this guy thought he was god right god uses him to get mary and joseph nine months pregnant right or at least a good eight and a half months pregnant to get up and to head to bethlehem why in the world would you want to take a trip with your pregnant wife eight months eight and a half months pregnant you don't matter of fact doctors today tell you don't do that Right, last thing you want to do is be on the side of the road, right? Trying to to give birth to your baby, you don't want that in your truck, amen? You don't want that, right? And you look really bad when your wife starts to, you know, go through labor. You're like, okay, you got to hop in the back, right? Call the no, 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 forward, call the ambulance. You got to get in the back of the truck first, right? We we can't ruin the truck. Get in the back, right? And so you don't want to do that. Matter of fact, something humorous. If you look back in verse seven, when it says that there's no place for them in the end. We've been like killing the innkeeper because we feel like the innkeeper didn't give them a room. That, that literally reads that there was no place suitable for them. So it wasn't like there wasn't a room there. There wasn't a birthing room, right? And so the innkeeper wasn't being like a grumpy old innkeeper. He was just saying, listen, there's really not a good place for you to give birth Except for possibly in the barn, like in the stables that 's going to be the most comfortable that 's going to be the best case scenario, so we probably should quit picking on the innkeeper. He was doing the best he could he wasn 't a hospital right that wasn 't he didn 't really have the the stuff set up for that like he ought to have had and so here what we see is Mary and Joseph are being driven by the purposes of God to the place that God needs them to be, so that when the child is born. God will again fulfill his word. And that is exactly what we see. As a matter of fact, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forths are from old, from everlasting. In other words, Bethlehem, you're going to be the one that my child, the everlasting son of God, comes from. And the only way that's going to happen is if Mary and Joseph get up from Nazareth and head to the place that they were known from, or the place that they were from. Now, the place they were from, by the way, in verse 3, it wasn't where they were necessarily born. It was their tribal origin. And since they were both of the house and the lineage of David, they had to go back to Judah, back to where David was from, back to Bethlehem. And they do And it just so happens that God uses this census that was really taken for tax purposes. He uses this census in order to get them back to where He needed them to be, all so that God could fulfill His word. Now, what I love about this is you think, man, if God can work throughout history, if God can move the heart of Caesar Augustus, if God can move the heart of Pharaoh back in Genesis, if God can do those things, what can't God do? Right? God can do anything. God can do everything. And what we begin to see clearly is that all things are working together for the purposes of God. That means That in our current crazy world that we're living in, in the midst of the crazy circumstances that we're facing right now, God's not out of control. God's in control. And God's using these things for His great purposes. Now you say, well, I don't understand them. That's okay. You're not God. You don't have to. Amen? You don't need to. We just need to trust that God has it all under control because God's always had it all under control. Amen? And so that's exactly what this text sort of highlights for us. Well, then notice what we see in verse 5. It says that he was to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. Now, at this point, understand that Mary and Joseph are married. They are now living together. So why does Luke refer to Mary still as his betrothed wife? Because Luke wanted to make sure that the, the, the prophecy of Isaiah 7, 14 was fulfilled without question. Remember, Isaiah says, or God said through the prophet of Isaiah in Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What is God doing? God is reminding us again and again and again that he keeps his word, that he is faithful, that he can be trusted. Amen. God is faithful. He always keeps his promises. He always keeps his word. He foretold that he would send his son, the Messiah, born of a virgin to the city of Bethlehem. And that's exactly what he did. He foretold that he would go before him, or excuse me, that one would go before him in the power and the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way. And that is exactly what was happening with John the Baptist. God told us what was going to happen. And then God did it and God fulfilled Filled his promises, therefore, we can put our faith and trust in the one he sent. Amen. And so here we have then the birth of Jesus. Look with me now in verse 6. It says, and while they were there, the time came for her to be fulfilled. Notice that phrase, the time came. It doesn't just mean that the time of her pregnancy was fulfilled. This means that the preordained time that God had set forth had finally come. This is the time that God had set forth since before the foundations of the world. Remember back to Genesis 3.15? Right, God first foreshadowed this promise in Genesis 3.15, and now the time has come. Paul says it in Galatians 4 like this, When the fullness of time had come, when the appointed time had come, God sent forth His Son. And then verse 7, it says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and then laid him in a manger. Again, it is no surprise, and it is not a coincidence that this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords, was born in such a humble way. Right as I mean, as Zachariah's prophecy earlier, as Mary's song earlier foretold, God came to save those who were in need of salvation. He came to save the weak. He came to save the lost. Right, And so he was born in this lowly state. And so what we see is through the birth of Christ, God fulfilled his word. And then secondly, we see that through the birth of Christ, salvation was offered to all mankind. Look at what we see in verse 8. It says, "...in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then an angel of the Lord all of a sudden appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with great fear." Now, remember the context, right? So for 400 years, God hasn't said anything to anyone. And all of a sudden, God began to speak to Zechariah, the prophet, as he was there in the temple preparing and offering the incense offering, right? But then God, remember, took Zechariah's voice away so that God or Zechariah couldn't tell anybody what God had said. He could just sign it to them and write it on tablets, Right Then God speaks to Mary, then God speaks to Joseph, and word begins to spread all throughout the region, remember, of what God was doing. Remember after Zechariah's mouth opened and he began to prophesy concerning his son, it says that word began to spread all throughout the hill countryside of Judea. Where are we at here? Where are these shepherds at? Well, they're not in the city, they're out in the country of Judea. Right? And so word had begun to spread to them. They'd probably begun to hear these rumors that God might be doing something amazing. God might be doing something spectacular, but they had no idea that it was going to happen on this night. And I guarantee you, they had no clue that God was going to let them know about it first. Isn't that amazing? Right? Of all the people to tell, God first makes it known to shepherds who were just out doing their job in the middle of the night. And that is exactly what God does. And I want you to notice God does this for a purpose. God is speaking, notice, to shepherds. Shepherds, remember, were ritualistically unclean because they had constant contact with animals. These men weren't allowed to go to the temple and worship unless they had cleansed themselves for a certain period of time. And so God shows up after not speaking for 400 years and he begins to speak to the unclean. That's a purposeful thing God does. He's trying to show us that he did not come to save those who didn't need saving. He came to save the unclean. And guess who the unclean are? Everybody. You. Me. Right? We are the unclean. We are the ones in desperate need of salvation. Amen? Amen? And that's exactly what these angels want to express to these men. And so it says the angel said to them in verse 10, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The angels showing up knew that they knew that there was something coming. God was speaking. They didn't know if it's good news or bad news. The angels declare it is good news. It is great joy. Right? And then notice what it says That it will be good news and great joy for all the people. That phrase, all the people, is huge. That phrase, all the people, is helping us see that this isn't just to be the Savior of Israel. But this is to be the Savior of all the peoples. Matter of fact, if you trace that phrase or you trace that terminology throughout the Old Testament and New Testament alike, what becomes clear is that God's plan of salvation is a plan of salvation for all the nations of the earth. When God first called Abraham out of the land of Ur and sent him to where God was going to show him the promised land, God promised that his and his descendants would be a blessing to all the families or all the nations of the earth, right? Right? When Jesus later ascends to his father, he will send us out to the nations, right? And I just want you to understand, God has a bigger picture in mind than just Corinth holders, right? Now, we're a part of that great picture, amen? But he's got a bigger picture in mind as well. And so so God says, I'm declaring good news to you That is for all the peoples of the earth. God has a plan to bring about the salvation of all the peoples of the earth. God is offering a message of good news and great joy. And notice what it says. Notice what this message is in verse 11. It says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Notice a couple of phrases in verse 11. First of all, notice the phrase or the word you. God tells these shepherds that this is going to be your savior, right? Salvation is a personal thing, right? Salvation is something that God does in your life and in your heart. You're not just saved because your parents were saved or your granddaddy happened to be a pastor. You are saved because God radically transforms and saves you. Amen? Right? And so God says to these shepherds, your savior Right? A Savior has been born to you. right? And then notice what else he says about this Savior. This Savior is described as Christ the Lord. Remember the phrase Christ is the, is the word Messiah. Right? This is the promised Messiah. This is the one that you and your descendants of Israel have been looking for. This is the Messiah. And he is not only the Messiah, but he is the Lord. In other words, he's the promised one of God. And this one has come to be your Savior, and I love what happens next. When we were home this past uh, this past weekend, we were uh, we were not not this weekend, but the weekend before, whatever. We were celebrating Christmas with Carrie's family, and Carrie's uh, his her older brother just got his haircut. I mean, he hadn't got it cut for like two years. It was like a COVID thing that just turned into a hey, my my hair's long, and he got it like a radical haircut from short all the way to like shaved sides and just completely clean cut. And so we were going to play a trick on him. It wasn't my idea. I know you all think it probably was because I'm normally an instigator. But this was not my idea. They were going to play a trick. We were just not going to say anything about it. Just weren't going to mention it at all. Like long hair to, to no hair. And we just weren't going to say a word to try to make him self-conscious and just to be mean to him. Right? And that's all Carrie's family's idea. Not mine. Again, not my idea. I'm a sweet guy. I'm a nice guy. And we told everybody there, don't say a word. And we told the two littlest ones, which are six, seven, four years old, don't say a word to Uncle Jonathan when you see him about his haircut. And it's like the excitement could not be contained, right? As soon as we said, don't say a word, they could not wait. I knew I couldn't keep a straight face, so my plan was that when he showed up, I was going to leave. And we literally got on four-wheelers and we left so that we wouldn't be the ones to blow the surprise. The four-year-old immediately, I mean, Uncle Jonathan hadn't got out of the car yet, immediately runs with the excitement. I like your haircut, right? Could not contain the excitement. That's the image I get of these angels, right? Right? That's what's going on behind the scene. Right As this angel is declaring to these shepherds what is going on, there's a group, uh, a, a, a host of heavenly angels in the thousands that cannot contain their excitement. They are ready to be revealed. They're ready to burst forth on the scene so that they can praise God too for what God has done. But they've got to wait until the first angel gets the announcement all the way out of his mouth. And it's like as soon as that last word is uttered, for unto you this day in the city of David a Savior has been born who is christ the lord then boom the heavenly host appear and they begin to glorify god singing glory to god in the highest and peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased they can't contain themselves and you know why because they knew what this news meant they knew what had just happened You forget these angels had been on the sidelines. They've been watching since the beginning of creation. Right? They watched. They were created, yes. And then they've seen. They saw Adam and Eve fall in the Garden of Eden. They saw the struggles of Israel, God's chosen people. They saw mankind struggle and struggle and struggle with sin. They saw mankind get confused and try to approach God in other ways. They saw the tower being built. They saw Israel think that they could make it to God through keeping the law. They saw the desperation of man as mankind tried to make their way back to God. And they knew God had a plan. And they weren't privy to all the information, they weren't privy to all the details, but they knew that God's plan involved sending the second person of the Trinity that they knew probably as the Word. And now the Word had been sent. And they've been waiting for all of their existence to praise God for this moment. And guess what they finally get to do? They get to praise their God. Amen. And they burst onto the scene saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And what we find is that the birth of Christ... Is, is caused to bring God glory and honor because through it, God fulfilled his word. Through the birth of Christ, salvation has now been offered to all mankind. And then thirdly, through the birth of Christ, the good news, the gospel, the saving message of Jesus Christ begins to spread. Notice what happens in verse 15. When the angels go away... They go back into heaven. The shepherds say to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Pause there for a minute. Notice what these shepherds understand. This good news that has been revealed to them was revealed to them for a purpose. And the only way they could respond to this good news, they had to act on it. This wasn't just something that they wanted to gain knowledge of. Okay, great. That's awesome. Hope things go well. No. God had made known to them this great news that their Savior had just been born. And so what do they have to do? They have to respond, amen? they got to do something. And so they leave what means nothing anymore, the sheep, right? And they go to what really matters now. And they run to see what had happened. And it's like when they get there, they see and they find, verse 16, Mary and Joseph, they see the baby lying in a manger, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. In other words, when they finally got on the scene, they found everything just as the angels had foretold. That was their confirmation that God indeed had kept his word. And so they first of all tell Mary and Joseph... We see in verse 18, Mary, as we've seen her all throughout, she's pondering all these things. She's working all these things out in her own heart. But then in verses 19 and 20, as these shepherds leave, what do they do? They do what you would do. They tell everybody they see what just happened. Are you kidding me? They're out in the middle of the field, keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel shows up and begins talking to them. And then a whole bunch of angels show up beginning to sing praise and glory to God. Now, if you were by yourself, you might not say a word because you'd feel like people might think you're a lunatic, right? But you're not alone. There were multiple shepherds out there. They were keeping watch over their flocks together. And all of a sudden, they have a witness. This thing just happened. And the Savior has literally been born. And so what can they do but go and tell everybody else? Right? Yesterday, as the day went on, it was time to call grandparents, right? You got to check that off your Christmas to-do list on Christmas Day. If grandparents aren't there, you got to call them, right? And it used to be that you had to call them and like talk to them on the phone. But now you have this thing called FaceTime. And so you can walk around and you can like, you can not just talk to them. You can see them and you can show them what you got, right? And so so yesterday afternoon, a lot of it consisted of Noah and Haley walking around the house like this with an iPad, showing, and say, I got this, I got this right here, and look at this thing I got over here. And then I love it when they pick up, I'm gonna probably break this, but it's okay. They pick up and they're like, like they're trying to get it focused in the camera, finding like, oh there, yep, yeah, that's it right there. Like they want to show what they've gotten, right? Because what they got is exciting to them. Right? I was walking around the church this morning, and, and one, one of the children here has got a, got a new necklace on. And as I'm walking by, he's, he takes the necklace, and he's just like, kind of wants to make sure that I can see that thing, right? Why? Because it's kind of cool. It's exciting, right? you got something awesome, and you want to show it off. Well, listen, you've got something awesome if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's time that we show it off, Amen. It's time that we do what these shepherds do, and we share the gospel with everyone we can. Now, here's what I, I know. What you're thinking? I don't. I don't really know how. Or, or I'm not quite that comfortable doing so. Okay, let me give you. Let me give you just a couple pointers, real quick. First of all, get really comfortable with your personal story of how God saved you through Jesus Christ. Your testimony. Think back, like what did God do in your life where God radically saved and transformed your life? Right, That's your story. You know it better than anyone else, amen? Just think back and remember how God saved you. That's your testimony. Get comfortable sharing your testimony, All right? And then get comfortable with what we call the gospel. All right, what is the gospel? That's a great question, All right? The gospel is this, right? In a nutshell, the gospel is this, All of mankind are sinners, right? That doesn't take long to convince someone of, right? We've all made mistakes. We've all blown it. We've all messed up. Mankind are sinful, right? And God, in order to overcome our sin, sent his son to this earth to live amongst us, ultimately to die on the cross so that our sin debt could be paid and so that if we trusted in him, we could have everlasting life. Remember when we were going through the gospel of Mark, we learned it like this. Jesus came onto the scene preaching the gospel and he uses those three words, right? Repent, believe, and follow. Get comfortable with that. Repent of your sins, believe in who Jesus is and what he did on the cross, and follow him with your life, right? If you just repent and believe and you have knowledge of Jesus, but you aren't willing to follow him, then that's not genuine salvation, right? We learned that, right? You've got to repent of your sin. You've got to acknowledge you're a sinner. You've got to turn from your sin. You've got to believe in who Jesus is and what he accomplished on the cross. But if you're going to legitimately follow Jesus, you've got to follow him. Amen? Get comfortable with the gospel. And then lastly, this is, this is just a plug, right? Come on Wednesday night starting not this Wednesday but next Wednesday in January. All right, because what we're doing as a church family on Wednesday nights is we are beginning to walk through how we can better share our faith. All right, so if you're uncomfortable, then I want to encourage you to come on Wednesday nights because Corey is starting to walk us through how we can better and more naturally share our faith and share the gospel in, in Wednesday nights and following. All right, so if you're not comfortable with it, great. Come on Wednesday nights and let's get more comfortable together. Amen. Because we have news worth sharing, so let's get out there and let's share it, right? No excuses, right? I don't feel comfortable, we got something for that, right? I feel comfortable, then go do it, amen? And so, let's make sure that we're sharing the gospel together. So, through the birth of Christ, God fulfilled his word. Through the birth of Christ, salvation has been offered to all mankind. And through the birth of Christ, the gospel has begun to spread. Now, here's what I want to ask in closing. This is only good news if you have accepted it. What did the shepherds do when they heard? They responded. What will you do when you hear? Maybe you heard long ago and you've already responded. You've already trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And yesterday you celebrated what Christ had done for you and you personally. But maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're watching us online You've heard it before, but you've never responded personally to the gospel. You've known it maybe a long time, maybe your whole life you've known it. But you've never personally responded to the gospel by saying yes to Jesus and by following him in your life. And if that's you this morning, whether you're watching us online, whether you're here in the building, I got a feeling that God has already let you know that that's you. You see, that's not something I can do. That's something that God and God alone can do. Speak to your heart and let you know that you've yet to respond to him. And so if you're here this morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you're watching us online, I want to encourage you, let today be the day that you respond to Jesus. Let today be the day that you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You say, well, I I don't know exactly how to do that. That's okay. That's great. If you're watching us online, I want to invite you to reach out via messenger and let let us know so that we can get in contact with you. If you're here in person, I want to invite you to come. You can either come as we stand to sing our hymn of invitation in a moment, or you can come after the service and just find me, me and and we can talk one-on-one. But if you feel God speaking to your heart, today can be the day that you respond and say yes to Jesus. Amen? Believers, if you're here, and you've already responded and saying yes to Jesus, then I want you to recommit yourself to sharing the good news with others. Amen? You're not comfortable? Start coming on Wednesday nights. Right? We're going to get comfortable sharing the gospel. So if you're not comfortable, start coming on Wednesday nights. Let's get comfortable together. But let's share the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, again, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity that we have had to celebrate it together this morning. And Lord, I pray that now we would respond in faith to your word. Lord, for those who do not yet know you, I pray that today might be the day that they respond and say yes to the gospel. Lord, for those of us who have been saved, who have have responded before, Lord, I pray that we would be more confident. And Lord, we would be more willing, we would be more driven to share our faith with others. So that all the world might know what you did through Jesus Christ to send the Savior of the world. Lord, lead God and direct us now. We surrender this invitation to you and we pray that we would respond as you lead. It's in your holy name that we pray, amen.